So he showed up in a boot, he left in a boot, and in between, it was emotions, it was great performances by Sean Monaghan, ex of the Calgary Flames, now of the Montreal Canadiens, two assists for Sean Monaghan yesterday, and I always wonder what goes through a player's mind. I wondered about this a couple of nights ago with Matthew Kachuk when he returned to Calgary and wondered about it last night as well with Sean Monaghan. When you're a player, and there's a really nice split-screen video that's out there you can find on um, on social media. When you're a player and you're watching the welcome back video, what's going through your mind? You know, I've always wanted to, you know, I, I think we're all in one sense or another and in one time or another trying to imagine what it must be like to be someone else, even for a moment. Just would have liked to have known what it felt like and what it was like to be Sean Monaghan watching that return and watching the standing ovation as well. And you could tell, you know, you, you, you watch and listen to the interviews, just how emotional it was for him going back to Calgary. I always had a soft spot in my heart for Sean Monaghan. Um, wonderful hockey player, just absolutely ravaged by injuries. You know, we talk a lot about players, um, and Tyler Sagan comes to mind for me right away. Um, players that have just, to be blunt, destroyed their bodies for a single hockey team, like put their bodies through hell and will have the scars and, you know, the, the, the bruises and the limps uh, and the, uh, when you wake up in the morning forever because you did that for one specific hockey team. And Sean Monaghan did that for the Calgary Flames and glad to see that wasn't lost on Flames fans last night. Um, you know, Monaghan said, like, there was no way I wasn't going to play that game. Uh, and good on him. Two assists. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Calgary Flames. And that really was, in a lot of ways, let's just be honest, a game the Calgary Flames should have won. Um, out shooting the Montreal Canadiens 46-19. to Jake Allen was just outstanding. And speaking of netminders, and not just necessarily netminders from last night, although we're going to get to Markstrom in a second, but this has been a goofy week for netminders around the NHL and goaltenders taking a look at themselves in the mirror, or maybe better said, pointing the finger at themselves after questionable performances. Let's hear a couple of quotes. So this is from Wednesday night. This is Igor Shosturkin after the Rangers lose to the New Jersey Devils. Here's Shosturkin. Go when you play a game again. So I guess that kind of describes how you feel about your play. Of late. Is this I feel so bad. and play so bad. So I'm ashamed. Did you, was there one goal in particular that you felt like was... Every goal is... Easy play for me. I have to stop that. If our team wanna win the game, I have to play better. Are there specific things you know you need to correct? Everything. Just like completely pointing the finger at himself for everything. Now, this isn't the first time we heard Shashir can do this. Um, there was a spell last season as well. Uh, where his game softened and he took all of it. Complete accountability, rightly or wrongly. And by the way, it looks like Shesterkin's playing um, tonight for the Rangers. And this brings us to Jacob Markstrom from yesterday. We know that Jacob Markstrom, you know, in the playoffs, we all remember what happened against the Edmonton Oilers. And this hasn't been the best of all possible seasons so far for Jacob Markstrom. And again, last night, Markstrom after the game, we'll get to the clip here, fell on his sword. Here's Markstrom. The guys did a great job, and you know, once again, I, I gotta be better. I suck right now, so I gotta be. I gotta step up, and you know, 
we're, we're playing good hockey and not letting any scoring chances in, but you know, we can't start behind every game. Can you take us through what happened on that opening goal? You no, I thought I think everybody saw what happened, and you know, it's not a good play. What was it with uh, Josh Anderson on that play? Uh, nothing really. I just suck at hockey right now. Uh, do you, what, what can you do to, to, to get better? Work harder. Work harder, stop more pucks. Oh, I really suck at hockey right now. Previous with Shesterkin. Um, I play so bad, ashamed. This has been a tough week for goaltenders, man. Like, these are two of the players. Well, one of them won the Vesna last year in Igor Shesterkin. And Jacob Markstrom was very much in the conversation and is one of the elite goaltenders in the NHL. Lots of... Lots of self-reflection from goaltenders this week. And I know that this is what Jack Campbell of the Oilers does and previous to the Maple Leafs. Um, this is what Jack Campbell does after every single loss. Speaking of goaltenders, tough one to watch last night. Vancouver Canucks and the Florida Panthers. Um, Thatcher Demko injured after surrendering three goals in just under a minute. Uh, helped off the ice by the trainer and Ilya Mikheyev. That did not look good. And with that, we'll bring in Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada. Fridge, how are you today? Good, thanks, Jeff. Uh, Demko, I believe, is going for an MRI today to determine uh, exactly what yeah. the situation is there. You know, I was playing a couple of clips there before you came on. One from Shishterkin about how he's ashamed and I play so bad and Markstrom last night. And, you know, we're going to get to Jack Campbell here in a second. That was a tough one for the Oilers against the Minnesota Wild last night. But um, I don't know that it's a, a, a new trend i mean we've seen goaltenders you know uh you know blame themselves for losses but you know i, I look at Kerry price and i say that's how i want my goaltender to be i don't want his mm-hmm. highs to be too high i don't want his lows to be too low i don't want him taking all the praise and i don't want him taking all the blame but i guess much like everybody in hockey and maybe everybody in life right now nerves are really close to the skin and whether it's Markstrom last night falling on the sword or Shesterkin a couple of nights ago against New Jersey, it's been a weird week for elite-level goaltenders in the NHL for each. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think, uh, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more tomorrow night on, on Hockey Night. Um, I just think that becoming uh, playing defense in the NHL has become much more difficult. Um, you know, it kind of happened quietly, but if you think about all the different crackdowns that have happened and, and things like that, Jeff, um, yeah. I mean, the, the days of uh, – and it's just the incredible skill of all the players. Uh, I, I just think the days of the advantage being to the defense might be over. And uh, yeah. I, I think that all of these goalies are adjusting to it. Um that's that's kind of the way I look at it. The players are more skilled than ever. They're more specialized than ever. Everybody can shoot. The fourth line score a lot more than they ever used to. It's it's offense, offense, offense. And uh, I, I think you'll find a lot of people who don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Goals sell. That's what gets people excited about the game. But I think the a lot of the problems with goaltending, Jeff, come from what's coming at them and what what's coming at them that maybe is is happening more often than used to and the problem isn't that they can't make the saves it's that they're a lot more challenging saves that they have to make okay uh, i'm glad you got us there because it's the next point that i want to make here 
if this is indeed uh, how the game is, and I agree, this is this is where the game's going. This is where the game is at right now. Uh, everybody can shoot. Everybody has shooting coaches. Everybody, you know, practices. You know, getting into a high percentage area to get a high percentage shot off. Um, and to your point, it's more challenging to be a, a defenseman in the NHL, and therefore, it's also going to be more challenging to be a goaltender. Um, do we need to recalibrate then? what it means to be a great goaltender. Like I think back to goaltenders from the eighties and goalies that we thought were elite at the time. We look back on now and say, wow, we thought this guy was great, but he had an 850 save percentage by today's standards. He's not even playing in the league. Like if yeah. the accent now is on skill and scoring, do we need to say like, Ooh, this guy is only a nine Oh five goalie. He's really struggling. Or do we say, Hey, you know what? He's North of 900. That's really good in today's NHL. I think that you always have to look at the averages. Like one of the people I actually make fun of that with, Jeff, is Kelly. Because Kelly had a year, I think it was mm-hmm. 1987, where he was third in the league in save percentage and he was 897. And it's kind of funny yep. when you think about that now. Well, you look at the league average. The league average save percentage this year, at least when I checked it earlier this week, was 905. And if it stays at 905, that's the lowest it would be in 16 years. Um, so I, and, and you know what, like I, I, I've been on this for a while now. How many true difference makers are there? Like how many true, like when you, when you take a look at the top I, class of goalies in the league, how many are you putting in? There? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Like, I'm not. Okay. I think it always changes. And I think that's what we're seeing. Like last year, I would have said Igor Shosturkin. I would have said Jacob Markstrom. I would have said Thatcher Demko. This year, I'm saying Ilya Sorokin. I'm saying Linus Ulmark. Like to me, it's it's. I don't think you can just say you know much like once upon a time you know Bernie Perrant, the best angle goaltender of all time, he's going to dominate for ten years. I don't know if that's true anymore, because we're seeing well, this like this like you know b- bouncing ball of of goaltending performances. Well, I think for me, it comes down to there's got to be a bit of a body of work. Like, Allmark's off to a great start, but I'm not putting him there yet. Uh, I think... Uh, Hellebuck. I think to me, I'll put Hellebuck, Hellebuck yes. there. Hellebuck is there, absolutely. Vasilevsky is there, absolutely. Shesterkin, even though he struggled this year, I think he's there. I think Sorokin is pretty much there. Um you know, I, I I really had big I, I had big plans for Demko this year. It hasn't worked, and now we'll see how serious this injury yeah. is. It certainly didn't look good, and it sounds like it's a potentially a groin injury. Um, you know, I, I think that, like to me, the top group it's you know it's 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 Vasilevsky, it's Hellebuck. I would put Saros in there, even though he started this year uh, really slowly. I, yeah. I think he's a guy who's a top guy. Um, you know, I'd put Shesterkin in there. I think I'd put Sorokin in there. I'm probably missing someone because I'm looking at this off the top of my head, but I, I don't think there's a huge group of number ones that is separate Ottinger. from... Uh, Ottinger, I think, is, is, is there, yes. Uh, I, like, I don't think there's... But I don't think it's a huge group. Like, it used to be that everybody had a right. clear-cut number one. And now, I, I'm, I think while teams have ones, I don't think there's too many who are separate. And I just think right now, the the thing is, can you get one more save than everybody else? Like the one thing about Campbell last night, um, he hasn't played great, 
he was set up to lose that one last night. Like that was, you know, they they were playing back to back. They the it was a short turnaround. That was a schedule loss, but still he has to be better. I wanted to get to Campbell here because, listen, it's a long-term commitment. The Oilers have made to this netminder right now. Yeah. He's being outplayed by Stuart Skinner. We all under- understand that, and we all you know, understand how maybe more so than any other goalie in the NHL, he internalizes losses and poor performances. Like, for how long did that Brendan Gallagher shot uh, in the playoffs haunt Jack Campbell? Yeah. And he couldn't, you know, couldn't, you know, couldn't get that that fog uh, away from him. You know, it's it's almost at the point now to me where I I tend to think, and usually by the time you get to the NHL, you can kind of shake this. That he's almost, you know, he's almost become his worst enemy here, and it feels like Edmonton's really in a tough spot. Like I know at the end of the day, like as the season, you know, gets closer to the playoffs, you just, you know, you dress who you think you can win with. And you know you you uh, you you decide on your goaltender based on who's going to give you the better chance of success, regardless of what the contract says or how it may embarrass the general manager. I I just didn't know that we were going to get there this quick with Jack Campbell, and maybe and I'm naive to say that, Elliot, based on you know post December Campbell that we saw last year in in Toronto. Well, by the way, I should have also put Markstrom in my top class, even though he's really struggling right now, and well, I'm sure we'll get to him too, but. You know, there's a couple of things on Campbell. Um, number one, I, I have thought at times, this is counterintuitive for me as a reporter to suggest, but I have thought at times people should have, should have told him, you know what, you're not doing interviews for a couple of days. Um, because obviously he tortures himself. There's no question about that. Yep. And I, sometimes it might be better to say, look, guys, you know how he's feeling. We're giving him a break. And I know that'll, you know, like I know that'll result in criticism. I mean, look at what's happening with uh, Alfonso Davies and this whole debate about who he should talk yeah. to or shouldn't talk to after soccer matches. But like, if I was the Oilers and I thought about this when he played in Toronto, I thought there were times that the team should have said, you know, what Jack Campbell's taking a break because he's beating himself up, and we will take we'll take whatever criticism we get. We just think it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, the second thing was, I got to tell you one other thing here I'm curious about, Jeff. I was thinking about this last night watching Campbell. We just saw what L.A. did with Cal Peterson. And they, they have a plan for him. And their plan is yeah. send him down to play and regain his confidence. I am curious to see, would any other team do this? You think that the Edmonton Oilers would consider doing that? I just, I, I didn't get say out, that. Get him out I of the said, spotlight. I didn't say that I would think the Oilers would consider doing that. I said, would any other team consider doing this? I think considering how important that position is. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's a risk. And there are always teams. Uh, I don't think he's getting like I, I mentioned. I, let's just say, let's just say, Jeff, they put him. Let's just, let's just go because nothing ever gets yeah. taken out of context on the radio. But let's just, <laughs> you know, let's just say, for argument's sake, yeah. that they did it. Yeah, he's not getting claimed. Yeah, he's not getting claimed. 
No, I'm, I'm just I'm just talking about if you're mentioning would other teams do this, but if you want to make it specific to Edmonton, there's there's not going to be a claim. There there yeah. there would there wouldn't be a claim. Um, I think considering how important that position is, then I wonder if the because you know this league right if it. If you send a guy down and Cal Peterson comes back up and it's, you know, all of a sudden he's, you know, found the ghost of Terry Sawchuck and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's turned into a combination of, you know, you know, Jonathan Quick and, and Rogie Vashon, two of the greatest Kings goaltenders of all time. Then I think other teams will say, well, hang on a second here. Maybe that'll work with us. You know how this league works. So I think if it's successful, I wonder if other teams do it as well. But we'll, that's what we'll I, find that's out what I was in, thinking. in a bit. That's what I was thinking. I um I want to get to a few other things here, um, and a, a couple of them revolve around uh, difficult conversations about teams, and one of them is the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, yeah. first of all, we should have mentioned congratulations, Stephen Stamkos, in that game last night, one thousand career points. Um, what a career Stamkos has had. Um, this is the Philadelphia Flyers who ended their 10-game losing streak and then promptly, you know, uh, went out and, and lost a game to to Tampa. No shame in that. Um, but it sounds like there's been a lot of how do I phrase this? There's been a lot of advisors around lately in uh, in, in Philadelphia, Elliot. We talked about this briefly on the podcast that just came out uh, this morning. From the best of your to the best of your knowledge, what's happening in Philadelphia? Um. I just think, by the way, has the podcast come out? I don't even think it's come out yet. Um, Let me just check my phone. Hang on. I, 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 don't, think it's, I don't think it's dropped yet. No. Um, no, it isn't out yet. Um, well, must be. Uh, <laughs> Let him come up for a breath, man. Let Amel come up for a breath. He's been drinking coffee somewhere. Uh, <laughs> the. Uh, I. I just think it's it's tough to pin down exactly, but I, I do think there's yeah. a lot of talk about, okay, realistically, what is going on here and where are we going? And, uh, mm-hmm. look, I, I just think the Flyers have to be realistic about this. Um, it's always harder when you're trying to sell tickets. I think when you don't have skin in the game, it's easy to go there. Like, first of all, I think the Flyers are just – play hard and go for the best pick they can get. That's my opinion. Um, it's always yeah. tougher, though, when you have real skin in the game, when you're trying to sell tickets. It's an easier thing to say when you're not the person who's doing that and you don't see what's happening to the bottom line. But still, it's what I think is the right move mm-hmm. for them. And I just think they're talking about how they're, you know, what, what their philosophy is going to do, how it's all going to look, and... And where they're going. And I don't know if they're going to make any changes or anything like that. But, look, they just lost 10 in a row. They've now lost 11 of 12. Um, you know, Tortorella is not built to handle this kind of losing. It's a, it's a headline almost every day, which is what you should have expected when you hired them. And mm-hmm. I think they're trying to manage all this. And uh, I think they hoped, put it this way, I don't know if they expected they'd be great or anything like that but i think they thought they were going to be better than this and maybe that was unreasonable um but here's where they are and i think they're just figuring out how they're going to manage all this um one of the things 
from last night that I found intriguing. Did the Nashville Predators just show that the New Jersey Devils are human? No. Nashville goes up 2 nothing, end of the first period, and then the Devils storm back and score three, and you're like, okay, well, we've seen this all season. The Devils have this. And then it ends up being Nashville. Devils get a point out of it, but Nashville ends up beating them in overtime. Ryan Johansson with the first goal of the game. Ryan Johansson with the last goal of the game. Do you have a thought on what we saw between the Preds and the Devils last night? Well, well first of all, I, I do think one of the major differences with the Predators this year is that their best players haven't been as good as they were last year. And, you know, yep. I, I know the, the coach has been under some heat. Um you know, Sorrow started very poorly, although he's he's getting going again, so that's important for them, obviously. Um, but last year, you know, Duchesne had a monster year. Johansson had a monster year. Forsberg had a really good year. Um, some of those guys started really slowly. And in this league, if you're not your best, if your best players are not your best players, you're not going to be good. And you know, when 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 they got ahead two nothing last night. I was kind of laughing and, and saying, you know, the Devils, uh, they got them right where they want them. Just earlier this week, they, they destroyed a 2 nothing lead by the Rangers yeah. and died a few times this year. And it wasn't a surprise at all that they got back. Um, it was a big comeback win for Nashville. The Predators really needed it. Um, you know, I, I, that race in the Western Conference, it's, it's really going to be something. Like, there's... You know, Minnesota, big win last night. Predators, big win last night. Tough loss, Blues. Tough loss, Flames. Like, you know, the Kings were down 3-1 to one and came back to win. Yeah. Like, that race, first of all, the Pacific's a lot better than we thought. And secondly, that race at the bottom of the, of the playoff uh, spots for the West, it's, it's mm-hmm. really going to be something. It's going to be competitive, and it's on right now. And you cannot afford to give up points. And... You know, that's the thing. You mentioned Johansson. He and Duchesne, Forsberg, Granlund, like all those guys, they have to be as good as they were last year. Nashville's not getting in. Yeah. Um, speaking of that race, uh, the Kraken have now won seven games in a row. Uh, overtime, yeah. Matty Beniers right off the draw, down the ice, scores. I'm going to talk more about the the Kraken with John Forsland coming up in the, in the second hour here. But... Uh, Again, I know we mentioned him on um, this program, on, on the podcast, but there's Daniel Sprong, fourth-line Daniel Sprong, seven minutes of ice time, picks up another point. Like, there's just, like, there's time. And Grubauer was really good last night. There's a lot of great stories with this uh, with, with this Kraken team. Um, if you have a thought on that, great. Um, what do you make of Seattle right now? Well, I know somebody who was at the game last night in Seattle, and he said the crowd there was unbelievable. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was really important. Um, You know, thanks to Vegas, expectations of expansion teams are completely out of whack now. And it's not only in hockey. I I think it's going to happen in almost everywhere. You know, for, for the amount that these teams pay, Get into the league, six hundred and fifty million in Seattle's case. You know, you you can't hand them a terrible team because the tickets are expensive, and you know fans want to get their money's worth. And secondly, because Vegas of what they did to going into the Stanley Cup final, like fans don't want to hear that when you're buying a ticket, expensive ticket for an expansion team, that it's going to take you 
six years to go anywhere. They, they just don't want to hear that. It's a waste of time for them. And I thought last year was a really hard year on Seattle. And, you know, like, I think they were worried about their fans' reaction as that season went on. Well, this year, as you said, they're on a tear. Um, you know, you didn't, yep. you didn't mention the name of the guy who I think has made the biggest difference there, and that is Berniers. Like you can always go with yeah. you can always go with the goaltenders because the goaltender is the most important position. Yeah. But to me, that guy has has really changed their team. They've got Sprong has been good, Bjorkstrand's been good. Um, you know, a lot of the obviously Grubauer is better. But what they couldn't do last year was score. They didn't have a dynamic player who could create offense almost on his own. And you know that overtime winner last night. I'm amazed this year, Jeff. There was there was another one in another game last night too, the Calgary Montreal game. I am amazed this year at how many goals are being scored right off center ice faceoffs. It's it's happening every night. Every night, there's good chances being created off of uh, center ice faceoffs. But to me, that's the difference in Seattle is they have a, a, a top line center who can create offense that they didn't have last year. See, that, that's the one thing that I've wondered about uh, if you're a coach. Uh, I've always wondered about this. And listen, I, I love it when, you know, when teams dress three forwards to start the overtime because it's exciting, right? And then I think to myself, okay, if I really had skin in the game and I wasn't just, you know, talking from the back seat like I do in these conversations, I don't have a hand anywhere close to the wheel, but if I did, if I were a coach, what I would do is I would start a center. I would start my best face-off center and two defensemen. And the minute I got possession, then there would be a change. And we'd get some offensive players out there. Thankfully, it doesn't seem as if that's happening. The other night, the Kings in the 980s. Yeah, I know. Wild, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, like, that's the only thing I don't like about that. I, I think, like, I think I think you could be unnecessarily walking yourself into trouble. Hmm. I just like it as a strategy. Like I'm 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 not going to put my offensive guys out there until I get possession. Just because, I mean, it brings you so close to ending the game just by having the puck, right? Like no, no longer like for the first couple of years of the shootout, Fridge. What did we see? Guys coming down the wing. Ripping it from a bad angle, it would go around the boards and up the other way, and it would be an instant two-on-one. It was just nonstop. Like, there wasn't a handle on what the smart play was and how do we hold on to the puck and, you know, don't just, you know, uh, throw pucks to the net. Now everything is really focused around setting everything up for the perfect shot. And if that's the way it's going to continue in the shootout, at least it starts, I want two defensemen out there in case I get myself in a tough, situ- tough situation like the Capitals did yesterday. Anyhow. Well, um, you're, well you're risk averse. Uh, quick thought. Like, that's not a surprise. Like, you're a chicken. So I, I am not no, no you go for surprised you, by that. No, I know. I'm born to be mild, and I'm very conservative and safe. I know I'm your most boring friend, Elliot. Uh, <laughs> real quick, uh, Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow on Hockey Night in Canada. Tampa coming off the big win against the Philadelphia Flyers again. Congratulations to Steven Stamkos, point number 1,000. Uh, the Bolts face off against the Maple Leafs. We'll focus on that one quickly. Your thoughts on what we will see tomorrow. Cuthbert Simpson Bukowskis with the call. You will see a 724 puck drop. That's one thing you're going to see because there's a ceremony for Stamkos before the game. Um, which, uh, it, it, I mean, look, like Toronto's been really good. 
Really good. Uh, they, they've played much better than I think a lot of us expected with all the injuries. Um, Tampa's kind of been lurching here and there a little bit. Um, you can tell, mm-hmm. like, the one of the things that uh, someone sent me a note the other day, um, you know, Sergachev has a chance to be the first defenseman to lead them in scoring, not named Hedman, I think, in seven years, eight years. I think that's interesting to watch. There's, there's no question yeah. Hedman, to me, is still one of the best defensemen in the NHL. But you get to a point where you say, how can we lighten the load on him? Uh, a little bit, um, you know. Tampa, they've like. I have so much respect for those guys. They've been through so much, two cups and two wins within another. Uh, I, I think that one of the things they try to do is, you know, how do we conserve the energy, conserve the wear and tear in the regular season? But there's no doubt that the Leafs and their fans are going to be up for this one tomorrow. Like, it's always a measuring stick game, Toronto, Tampa. And then there's what happened last year in the playoffs where the Leafs had them uh, on the ropes and uh, Lightning pulled the alley rope-a-dope and won the series. <laughs> the George Foreman fight. Yes, I uh, remember it well. Uh, all right, good stuff. Look forward to Hockey Night tomorrow as always. Uh, enjoy your afternoon walk, what is ever left of it. Uh, hope the temperature yep. is mild enough for you. And we'll, uh, nice. we'll check you out tomorrow, Fridge. All right, take enjoy care. Enjoy your Jeff. day, Fridge. There he is, Elliot Friedman uh, from 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada.